I have learned a lot about business models. And so I also, my, my background is business. I have an MBA. And uh, so I've always been more on the analytical side of things. And uh, I think a lot of people come into it because they like working for themselves. They want the freedom. They want to be able to kind of be their own boss. But the reality is that you're, somebody's always your boss. Your client is your boss. And, you know, you have to have a business model that works for you. And so I would say from the very beginning, imagine that you're a big company. Don't imagine that you're a small company. Imagine that you're a big company and build systems that will grow with you. And that was something I learned from really going through the trials and tribulations of building a startup. Welcome to the Spiro Podcast, managing your real estate photography and videography business with your hosts, Todd Kivimaki and Craig Magro. Welcome to the Spiro podcast, managing your real estate photography and videography business. Spiro is a software platform uh, really designed to help you manage, scale, and grow your real estate media business. I'm Craig Magrum. I'm the business development and client care specialist for Spiro and uh, host of the podcast. And along with me every week, of course, our owner and founder and uh, co-host of the podcast, Todd Kivimaki. Hey, Craig, it's great to be here. That seems so official, owner and founder. I mean, just, you know, when you do this, well, I'm just, I'm a normal rambling self today, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> you got to give credit where credit's due, right? <laughs> well, I didn't have a so, child up all night last night, so I, this is my self-conscious thing, but my bags are not so bad today for those of you on YouTube. <laughs> um, so I did get some sleep last night. Did you have coffee? There's the important question. Plenty of coffee, but I water it down because okay. it's it gets to be too much. Well, what's the point then? Anyway, it's a habit. <laughs> we're, we're already off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're already off on a, on a rabbit trail. Uh, anyway, so uh, last week we had a, a great podcast. We did a, a PMRE speaker recap and had Devin Pastorius join us and um, just a, a, a great presentation. And we wanted to hit another one because mm -hmm. we really enjoyed this presentation as well. Um, and I'm going to let you introduce our guest, Todd, but uh, that event was just a, a great time of, uh, of networking, of learning conversation. It was kind of like therapy for, for those of us working in real estate media, because we feel alone a lot of times. Um, but yeah, just really enjoyed it. We're, we're definitely planning on being back. Yeah, we, do, we are. It was a fabulous conference. Uh, if, for those of you that don't know about it, it's PMRE. That's Photo Media for Real Estate. If you search PMRE conference, you'll find out about it. Uh, and it's coming up again. I think they're doing it in uh, the same month. So that was November of, of 23. So be sure to hop on there. Uh, Today, I'm super excited. So uh, this presentation just really caught me and just got me thinking and uh, had a ton of information. And uh, we also found out that she's just a fabulous individual. Got to spend some time with her. Um, she was kind of disguised in these heart glasses the night of the, there was a, a band the night of. And then all of a sudden, uh, Craig, Nick and I were there talking like, oh, it's Emily. And then so we just we hit it off and um, and then we got to do a cool VR thing in Vegas, but I won't give too much away. Our special guest, uh, I'm extremely excited to uh, bring to the podcast today is Emily Ullman with Hopscotch Interactive. And she was one of the speakers at PMRE and she, you will not want to miss this. You'll want to listen to this again and take notes when you go home. Um, Emily, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Todd. And thank you, Craig. I'm so happy to be here. But I think that it would be, 
you know, ashamed to just even launch right into who I am. I would just want to say, you know, the Spiro team was so fabulous. You guys welcomed me at the PMRE conference and yeah, maybe I had my glasses on and, uh, you know, and whatnot, but you know, for me, it's, uh, I want to make sure people know that I'm a photographer. I do exactly what they do. I am day in, day out, like moving the garbage cans. I'm working with my editors. I'm, you know, I'm doing the sky replacements. I'm like fixing the, you know, the little leaves on the stairs. You know, I, I actually live and breathe this all the time. Uh, but I also have had one foot in immersive media and sort of future looking and forward looking things for a long time as well. So yeah, I sort of, I guess you could say I straddle both worlds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we really did appreciate you stopping by the booth. Um, all, all of you speakers were just incredibly welcoming and, um, you made us as first time attendees, you made us feel very welcome. And we just, we appreciate the, the, the fact that you took the time to, to stop and say hi and engage in conversation with us. Oh yeah. You guys are great. You guys are great. It's a pleasure. And it's nice to catch up with you again a couple of weeks later and, uh, you know, to get a little, maybe a little bit deeper, you can ask some more questions. We can, uh, we can talk about anything, anything you like. Awesome. Absolutely. Well, we, are, we are excited. I have some questions. Um, but before we get to that, Emily, do you want to give us, give us a little background? I think every photographer can resonate with, with just the story of what was it? Did you sell a house? Mm -hmm. Did you look at what brought you into real estate media and then immersive media as well? So my story is, uh, you know, I, I, I'm guessing similar to other people's. What happened was in 2015, I was working, well, this part may be dissimilar, but I was working with friends on a startup for a property management product. And it was a friend of mine who started the company. And as part of the founding team, uh, we were evaluating 360 cameras and in fact, Matterport as well. And so we wanted to use, I know now that we were early for this, but we wanted to use our uh, 360 content, our 3D content, and this was before you could really use machine learning to or AI, or for example, to kind of scrape the data from a scene and you know have a semantic understanding of it. So you know, be able to recognize what is in the scene. Um, that wasn't possible at the time, but we wanted to use these cameras to uh basically learn about properties and analyze them and then hopefully help landlords help tenants become you know more efficient at doing things like ordering h you know an hvac repair or mm -hmm. you know going in as a group on buying um you know heaters or whatever it was um anything that would sort of facilitate a better management of of a property um and so i got my hands on the matterport camera while i was there in the early days with the team and I just really loved it. I thought it was amazing. And then long story short, my, uh, my mother-in-law was going to sell a property. She had a property to sell. And I saw the, that the listing agent was not going to do a virtual tour. And I was pretty sure that by adding a Matterport scan that we could tell a better story about this property. And so I told the realtor, I, I used a camera. I, I borrowed it from my friend, you know, my, um, my colleague and I was like, Hey, can I use this camera to work, you know, to create a tour for our house? And I said, you know, he said, yes. And I made the tour and 
this was like so early, like there were no 360 panels outside. It was just the house. But the house um, hit the market and then the realtor started getting like call after call of who did this? What is this? We've never seen this before. This was 2015. And so I, you know, I was talking to the realtor and she's like, do you do this? And I said, um, well, yes, I, I do. <laughs> so, um, so I launched the business actually really through what I would call just like you know, a product market fit and a demand. And I, I had no intention of actually at that time, I, w I didn't come into this as a photographer and I, I came into it as an entrepreneur and I came hmm. into it as somebody interested in technology and wanting to do, uh, to do something myself and be very hands-on as a creator. And I had no idea that it would turn into virtual reality, uh, augmented reality that it would turn into, I would be creating floor plans, running an agency, uh, all of these things. But I've always had a very entrepreneurial spirit. And I also felt like it was a good time in my life to start my own company. And so, yeah, that was, those were sort of the, the baby steps of what has led to now, uh, you know, uh, building an agency. And now we're several years in, we're starting our eighth year. That's incredible. Wow. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, you, you said 2015, you were doing Matterport. I started my business in 2017 uh, in the Toledo, Ohio market and professional photography was kind of starting there and video yeah. tours were, were, un, were unheard of. So the fact that, yeah, you were doing yeah. Matterport that early, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, before we, we dive into what, what you shared with us at, at PMRE, you, you talked a lot about the fact that you're an entrepreneur and you have, you have that spirit. Uh, I, I'm guessing that we have a number of listeners and, and, and viewers that have either just started their own business or are thinking about it um, because they are interested in, in the area of real estate media. What would you tell them if, if you could give them, give them one piece of advice about being an entrepreneur in, in this field? What, what would that be? Well, I, I have learned a lot about business models. And so I also, my, my background is business. I have an MBA. And uh, so I've always been more on the analytical side of things. And uh, I think a lot of people come into it because they like working for themselves. They want the freedom. They want to be able to kind of be their own boss. But the reality is that you're, somebody's always your boss. Your client is your boss. And, you know, you have to have a business model that works for you. And so I would say from the very beginning, imagine that you're a big company. Don't imagine that you're a small company. Imagine that you're a big company and build systems that will grow with you. And that was something I learned from really going through the trials and tribulations of building a startup. And my CTO at the time was a real believer in that. And I, I really felt like that that bit of information helped me so much with Hopscotch Interactive because I am, you know, I separated my personal checking from my business checking. So I registered the business. I, uh, you know, I, what I created at the very beginning, it was like, you know, I, I created an LLC and, or maybe not LLC came later, but I started at least with, um, you know, wanting to have the, the sole proprietorship be an entity that was very important to me. And so if you're starting out and you haven't gotten a handle on your business model and at least done some really hard thinking about what you want it to be, like, do you want it to be a lifestyle business? 
do you want this to be a side hustle? Do you want this to be something big and scalable like what you guys are doing? And I think that that will inform the, the direction people take. Well, it's interesting that you, just your, I love how technology can solve problems. And, and, and just even hearing your story, Emily, it's like I did that same thing. A realtor asked and it wasn't about Matterport. It was about I was only doing video at the time. And a realtor said, oh, you offer photos as well. And I said, of course I do. And it's just oh, I just I get I don't know. It's just like entrepreneur butterflies that come back up. And it's like it's so cool yeah. how someone can have a need and and especially with technology, we can help them with that need. I, I don't know if that resonates with you or it, it sounds like that's kind of what like hit it off in your story. Yeah. I mean, I think that it was, it was certainly that I like photography. I love the creative process. I was not a photographer. In fact, I had a hard time saying I was a photographer in the beginning because, mm. you know, I think I had a little bit of imposter syndrome yeah. where I was like, yeah, I do photos, but I don't even feel like I should charge you for them, you know? <laughs> and then I look at us, I look at us now. And honestly, like it was realizing that the, that the core of the business was going to be around the photos. And I said this at PRMRE, the core of the business around the photos, you have to have photos to have a listing go live. So mm -hmm. make that your focal point, make that your, you know, killer app, make that the best thing that you offer. Everything else is, is like, even if you do Matterport, you can be great at Matterport, but spend 10 years doing Matterport. You'll know some more tricks, but your, your ability to like, you know, get better at that, at least I mean, it's a complicated thing, but you know, cause there's so many other ways you can use Matterport now, but I would say like you and I are, are similar Matterport photographers, but we may be vastly different, a real estate photographers. Hmm. So mm -hmm. it's, I think your core, your business is going to be focused on what you, what people have to have. And then it's your job as a salesperson to be able to package that up with the things that they might also like to have. And so it's just, it's knowing your market and it's also figuring out if you're going to be doing something that's the same as everyone else, or do you want to differentiate in any way? And, the, and there's a lot, and Todd, you would probably agree with this. You can differentiate on systems. You can differentiate on customer experience. You can differen differentiate on creative. Um, we have in our market, for example, I think in the beginning, our, one of our ways that we really differentiated was um, more of a boutique experience for our clients. So a more white glove experience where the clients feel like they have um, almost like a, a, a boutique agency on their team. Mm -hmm. And that really worked to position us well for luxury um, clients. But in the beginning, it wasn't like that. Like I've done every single kind of shoot you could imagine, like everything from arson to, oh, um, you know, somebody died in the bedroom or like, I mean, it's literally like I've seen everything. <laughs> I've seen it all. Yeah. But wow. it's like you just you you learn from all those experiences and uh, it all in kind of helps you at, at some step at some point down the road. For sure. Yeah. I, it, it all helps to focus, you know, you need a little bit of it. And Devin spoke to this last week and at his presentation as well, but you really have to master it and you have to decide what it is. And mm -hmm. beginning, you'll probably try a little bit of everything because you might have a shiny object syndrome where you, somebody ask about something and it's good to take those, you know, if, 
if you didn't take it one step further, Emily, and say, well, we should really have a 360 tour on, you know, on, on is your mother's house or mother-in-law's house? Like if you didn't say yeah. that, if, if you didn't ask that question, then who knows what you would be doing right now? So I think you'll follow some of those shiny objects, but eventually you yeah. got to just pick a couple of them and say, this is who we are. Yeah, that was hard in the beginning because you don't know when, and if we're still talking about people just starting out, they maybe are still figuring out what they're going to be and they have a lot of options. There's so many types of media and so mm -hmm. it can be very overwhelming and you have a small sample size. So, right. So if you've only done a few shoots, you're going to have Sometimes some you'll get uh, you may get a negative feedback on something which is only negative because you've only done it like two or three times. But if you do it 25 times, do it 30 times, you're going to be great at it and you're going to or you're going to get different feedback from different people. So I think that the lesson is don't be discouraged if it doesn't go the way you think it's supposed to work. And like you got to keep you have to keep trying. And I would never, at this point in my career, I would say, you know, let's keep, let's, let's keep trying. Cause if I have a hunch on something, you know, and it, and that's, again, comes back to building a company and thinking about, you know, always trying to find ways to differentiate. It's like, you know, you're probably right on that hunch. You may just be wrong on timing or you might be wrong on the audience, but you can, you know, you can get insights into your business by experimentation so yeah mm -hmm. really good advice really good advice yeah yeah so you we've talked a lot about technology already and um the the presentation that you made at pmre i i think was something that for for many of us it, it was it was fairly advanced and definitely cutting edge um you entered uh, introduced us uh, into a deeper dive into the metaverse and nfts so do you mind sharing what is that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I think that one of the goals uh, around the introduction, well, the introduction of the metaverse for real estate uh, is, it's interesting because this is something I've been tracking since 2015. So when I got my first Matterport camera, that same year, they Matterport launched their um, showcase app on the Gear VR. And so they had a partnership with Samsung and with Oculus. And so Matterport was available as an app. And I was a very early adopter of that. And so, and I, I should also sort of preface this with, I worked in the gaming industry and I worked in the advertising industry and in Japanese anime. Really? So my, early, my yeah, so my mm. early career was video games for uh, so the video game industry working uh, for a suite of magazines, like official US PlayStation magazine, mm. computer gaming world, electronic gaming oh. monthly, and I was wow. selling advertising. And so it was print advertising, right? And then I moved from that into the anime industry and I worked on um, the, we launched the anime network on demand. Uh, I worked for New Type USA magazine and I was always selling advertising packages. And so I've, I've often thought about, uh, you know, the behavior of, of an audience when they, when they love something or when they are experiencing the media. In fact, our, one of the magazines that I was working for, it came with a DVD. And so the magazine had a DVD every month. It was a very expensive magazine at the time. It was like, I think 1399. It was, it was pricey. Right. And, uh, 
but I always saw value in media and telling a story. And so I guess it was like when I first tried the VR experience with, uh, it wasn't even Matterport at first. It was another, it was, you know, it was very big in the Bay area. So I had the advantage of being in the Bay area. When I tried that, I was like, oh my God, this is such an amazing medium. And I felt like it was just like pure, it was just pure connection with uh, what I was seeing. And so I felt like it was an incredible medium for uh, marketing and for sharing space and places. And I know that, uh, you know, a lot of people nowadays are talking about the metaverse. And I felt like, yeah, like I needed to demystify that a bit because we're really just talking about the internet. And if we're talking about the future internet, we're talking about, well, if I have content coming to me on a website or a web page, and if I can maybe put, you know, go to that, go to that web page, and then I can use um, a 3D, or sorry, not 3D, use um, goggles or, or a, you know, a head-mounted display or glasses to get a deeper experience of that content. Or maybe uh, use that web page to launch something into augmented reality, uh, which is the overlay of digital media on the real world. Um, like most people think of like Pokemon mm. Go, which is you know, here's the here's the mobile phone, and then here are the Pokemon that you're chasing after. It's an easy example yeah. to use. Um, but I was like, that is this is where this is all heading, and it was very it was very interesting because Matterport just happened to be the first end to end camera system where I could shoot in Matterport and then I could port those models at the time they were all done by hand, but I could port those into virtual reality. And so I was so excited about it guys. Like that, that completely, like that completely put me down this path of wanting to see like, well, if we can do this, what else can we do? Mm -hmm. Did, did you have that same response? What, what did your clients, you know, that you opened up a new kind of world, if you will. It, what did your clients at the time say? It's so interesting because they were, you know, they were in, interested in it. And I think Matterport was pretty early. It's so funny. Like my first, my first client, and this is again, when I go back to like small sample size, my first client, you guys will not believe this, but the first client that was so into it was a cemetery and mausoleum because they wanted they wanted to have a virtual tour where people wouldn't have to leave their homes and they could go make a decision about a place for their loved one or for themselves from being at home. And so that was like the very first, you know, like big paid project that I did. Um, in VR was working on something like that, which I was like, this is, this is a great use case for it. But then, you know, I couldn't sell that in to subsequent clients because they just, it was just way too technically advanced for them. How, how often do you find that people engage in, in 3d content or, or the metaverse on say a flat panel screen versus a head mounted like Oculus or, or glad, you know, Google glasses or, I see there, there's so much I don't know about this still. Um, yeah. But what's the practical use of it right now in real estate media? 
So the practical use of it, I would say, well, right now, also the price of the, uh, if you want to talk headsets, mm -hmm. the price of the headsets have come down significantly. And so I, most of the time that I'm doing it, I'm using either the Quest, uh, the, uh, the Quest 2 uh, from Meta, or uh, we're also using, we're working on a project right now with Magic Leap, which is a mixed reality headset. Uh, and so the, the differences in the uses for us are that with a headset, like a fully immersive headset, um, is you can use it basically for Matterport. You can use it to, you know, go into people, go into apps and to look around and do configuring, you know, configurator experiences. Um, but I think it's, I think it's cool for Matterport because even though you're at this point, like they change the way that they do it. So you're really just going from pano to pano. You're not walking around a space, but you can use the, um, controller to teleport and to move around. I still think that it's possible to have a good experience with it, but the majority of, I would say real estate slash design is happening more on the, in the unbuilt environment. So architects are using it. Uh, people are using it for planning as a virtual showroom. And that would be like the, the majority of the work that's done is showing that stuff. But I mean, what we're going to do, in this upcoming uh, project is using the Magic Leap um, for visualization. And so showing like a build out, a hypothetical build out of a suite. And that was what I was doing um, at, the, at the startup that I had a few years ago. Uh, you know, we just, we're just doing it now with the next generation of hardware. Gotcha. Hey, so I could, I could see builders using this quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Got it. So it's good for that. It's good for collaboration. It's like there's when you get into the architecture, engineering, construction use cases, then it, it goes beyond real estate and it really gets into everything from like, you know, remote assistance. Like if you're using uh, a Microsoft HoloLens, you can, which is one of the devices, um, it has remote assistance. You can, you know, have an expert basically see what you're doing with your hands free. And the whole idea is, having hands-free ability to fix something or to show something um, is for safety reasons. And then also, um, you know, being able to train people. I mean, Lockheed was using um, HoloLens headsets several years ago to train people on how to build their, um, you know, some of their uh, very, very expensive, um, you know, in clean environment um, aerospace um, products. And so that's like, if you put the screw in the wrong place, <laughs> like that's an $80,000 or maybe $800,000, a million dollar, you know, misplacement of that screw because you have to take the whole panel out or something. So it's, it's all those things where um, for manufacturing and for all these use cases, um, augmented reality, virtual reality have a huge advantage um, for, yeah, so you're right, construction is one of them. Got it. Todd, you were going to ask something, I think. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, it's kind of like your, your renderings to a whole nother level. It's just, it, it, it allows you to, uh, your, the example of putting the screw in the wrong place is a perfect example, because if you build a building and you decide you don't want the door there, or you do want a door there, 
it's really expensive to move that door after the building's been built. So, um, you know, you can experience that through a, a 2D, just flat floor plan and try to think about standing in the space. Then there's renderings and you can visualize what a finished space is. And then this just seems like it's the next step of actually being in the space prior to it being built. Exactly. And so I think of the, I think of it as a way to prevent really expensive mistakes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's always a little bit difficult to sort of see, well, what's the ROI on that? If somebody has a virtual showroom, uh, you know, but I think developers do use them and I don't, I don't have specific stats right now on, you know, what the percentages of people that are using them, but I know that, it is becoming more common and I feel like it will be, you know, it will continue to become something that is normalized with, uh, you know, over the next few years because people are becoming more familiar. I mean, they say, I think it's like 38% of us households have a VR device right now. And that's probably either going to be a quest or a um, PSVR um, or maybe Google cardboard. Um, So it's like, or they've at least tried it. And so uh, it's huge. And I know that Quest 2 uh, announced numbers, and these are pre-Christmas, pre-holiday numbers, but they already had sold over 15 million of the Quest 2s. And so the the majority right now, I mean, 80% or so is going to be gaming use cases, but you look at gaming to see, and you look at the game engines to see what can be used for real estate, how can this be applied? to our industry. And right now we've had a bit of a a VR winter, you know, like 2017, 2018, 2019, it was was a little slow and it it kind of, um, you know, there was definitely like, you know, a peak and a valley, but I do think that every time there's a new innovation, uh, we will see the growth come back and it's always higher than it was before. But the metaverse, no, we could talk about that now for sure, but you know, the metaverse, the backlash on the metaverse and the expectations from Facebook and Meta that this is going to be like an immediate overnight success is is certainly, I would say, um, you know, forward thinking and optimistic. And, you know, everybody thinks that it's just going to be like Rome built in a day, but it takes decades. And I, I know people in the industry who've been doing this for over 30 years and, uh, so, you know, they've, they've been through these cycles before. Sure. Sure. Yeah. You had a fabulous graph and you're sorry, Craig, but I think this, you had a fabulous graph that really helped me. And I looked at it and I went, Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, can you just explain kind of the adoption you have early onset and then it goes down, but that's kind of what, can you just explain that graph to our listeners? And that's kind of how anything's adopted really. Uh, was it the, um, was it the S curve graph? It was the S curve. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So the S curve graph, uh, there were two of them. I showed them back to back and, uh, I, and when the PMRE, uh, archives are launched from this year, I will be able to point people in the direction of the talk and they'll be able to see these. I can't share the graphics yet. Um, but you know, check the website and and check back to see if those are launched. But the S curve is really interesting because it's sort of this like, you know, it it follows this thing, which is the Gartner hype cycle. I don't know if you've heard about this, but the the idea is this. It's like 
as something is hyped up, everybody has these inflated expectations and then, you know, they don't meet expectations and then they, they sink down and then it starts to come up again, but it's at the point where maybe it's more, it's more normal. It's more, you know, familiar to you, but it's no longer in like hype. It's just sort of in growth phase, but that phase takes a lot longer than people expect. Like if you were to look at the 2022 hype cycle graph, you would see metaverse, like, crashing down. Like at the beginning of the year, you'd see it on the way up and you see it crashing down. Right. And so if you look back at like the 1997 Gartner technology hype cycle graph, it was the same thing. It was like virtual reality and then uh-huh. down. But in the meantime, um, you know, what happens is that um, for any of these singular technologies, like, uh, so let's go to, um, you know, so that, let me let me back up. So that is sort of the way that these curves come and go. And um, the first graph that I showed was talking about um, mainframe computing, right? So like in the age of of computing, uh, mainframe computing, like com- room room size computers, where the very first pixel, you know, came out of a scan from a giant computer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, uh, what was it like, what it was like 1957, right? So, um, it was so long ago and that was then of course replaced by a computer or, or the GUI, the graphical user interface, right? So we moved from mainframe computing into, um, graphical user interface, like a mouse and all this stuff. Um, and then as we, as we sort of, you know, People said at that time too, like, what's the point of having a computer? Like, why do I need a personal computer? You know, so there's always this cynicism around technology, like I'll never need it. And then the next thing you know, it's everywhere. Um, And so then the point I was making is that, look, like spatial computing or this virtual augmented reality, um, it is going to also follow that same curve where Right now there is cynicism, but as, as one type of computing starts to like, you know, reach the end of its approach, the end of its life cycle and new technologies come in, you know, they start to eclipse one another. Um, and that, that was really what the S curve on the, the, um, computing side was about sort of, you know, the inter, the internet, but on the, um, on the side of the where I where I started talking about augmented um, reality, um, it was for sure that there is there's the mobile touch era, right? That we're just that we've been in for a, a long time, and so ten years ago, fifteen years ago, you know, I'm sure you guys both remember getting your first tablets, your first iPads, your first any kind of touch device, right? And just think about how that changed the way that you do everything. Cause it makes more sense. It just makes more sense. It's so easy. It's like my kids want to make, you know, and I think Devin said this too. He's like, my kids want to have the phone and like, they want to touch, they want to, they're like, why won't the photo play? Like they want everything to be interactive. And, um, you know, so I think that we are certainly at this point where the internet right now is still mainly a 2d experience. But as it becomes more 3D, as it becomes more three-dimensional, then you will need new hardware to experience those things. You will need new interfaces for looking at content. And that's where the metaverse sort of comes in. It's like, 
oh, well, I can, you know, the internet will become more 3D. I can, you know, go to a, a web page, I can be, or I can be in a location and I can access content in a, um, with that additional dimension for, you know, you know, being able to view something in 3D or to experiencing something in, in an immersive way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank I hope you that for- explained it. Maybe the graph yeah. was better. You know, that was, that was, that, that made a lot of sense. And, and I, that explained it well. So I think it's just the, the, the curve of people, there's always that adoption and people go, oh, this is crazy. And then all of a sudden it's like, it's everywhere. It's going to be, ne- it's nowhere, it's nowhere, it's completely disregarded. And then it's all at once. <laughs> and, you know, it, it feels like, it feels like that happened when the iPhone came out. And uh, I mean, now you know, I, I mean, it's, it's really like there are early adopters of this and I would certainly consider myself an early adopter. Um, but I think that, you know, eventually people will want to, you know, they will want to explore more because they're going to reach, they're going to reach the frontier of what they can do with today's, you know, technology. And they're going to reach for what's the next thing. And I do think that this is the thing that they will start reaching for. And it's all it's going to take also is imagine, imagine somebody like Zillow or um, Redfin or, or any of the large um, marketplaces saying, we are now going to support 360, you know, photos in our feed. And then the next Mm -hmm. thing, you know, everybody's going to be like, you know, because they do it already on Zillow with the the tours, the three D mm-hmm. tours. But what if they do it with photographs? What if they did it with, uh, you know, um, augmented reality? And they facilitated that. I think once it it gets to a tipping point where it's in something where millions of people are already going every day, then people will start to embrace it, and they'll be like, "Oh, better, I better figure this out." I mean, Matterport seven years ago was like. Zero, it was like zero. There was nobody doing Matterport and in my area. And so you look today and, you know, it's like if, if people have a, the median price of the house is high enough, then of the virtual tours, 90% of those are Matterport tours. So, you know, the, the market penetration takes a while, but, you know, we had the, we had the pandemic and that also accelerated things, but it is, it will get here. It will get here. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great dive. And, and thank you for explaining the metaverse a little bit more to us and what, what we can ex- expect for for the coming future. So your your presentation was, was two-part. You talked about the metaverse, but then you also discussed NFTs. So can we dive into that a little bit as well? Yeah, sure. And I think that the, the NFTs and, uh, you know, the block, blockchain technologies, any kind of, uh, you know, future discussion or discussion about the future of the internet should include a discussion of NFTs. And the reason why it felt relevant for me was because, and I was trying to illustrate that to everybody at PMRE was like, you are creating media. Therefore your file formats, the files that you have thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of right now are all potentially and mintable as NFTs. And meaning you can put that on the blockchain. You can say that it's yours. You can, um, you know, have ownership of it and then you can showcase it in a gallery or maybe, and again, comes back to like, say Zillow or Spiro, what if Spiro, you know, what if you guys get into this, 
you know, what if you, you know, have a um, expansion to the way that your platform works and you say, well, you know, we will mint NFTs as people upload to our platform. You know, it's that's the kind of stuff that I think you you kind of have to imagine a future where we will want to have a digital fingerprint of our content and our media. And it's already hard for photographers. It's hard enough to prove and to show what's yours. But I think that by doing the extra step of almost this like, you know, internet copywriting, and that's so weird. I don't know. I just made that up, but like internet copywriting, <laughs> by giving, making something an NFT is, is giving it a traceable, um, you know, a traceable and sort of, um, you know, fingerprint, if you will, of this belongs to you, this is your copyright, or this is your material, and then you can do with it what you want. Uh, but I, I think it's a very interesting form of uh, proving ownership, and then maybe even, uh, you know, having a future where we are paid royalties on our photography, if it's used beyond just you know, being, being up for the transaction. So I think that there's a utility to it that we haven't even quite uncovered. So let me ask a dumb question and just go back to the very basic of what does NFT stand for? For somebody that's not familiar with this at all, what, what is, what does that stand for? So non-fungible token. And I think that that is one of these sort of Latin sounding uh, phrases that freaks everybody (laughs) out. Uh, all it really means is that it's unique. It's singular. Um, so it's not like, um, I can, you know, I can't, I can't, um, maybe this is a good way of of explaining it is like the way that I had it explained to me was like, I could trade you a dollar for a dollar, right? They have equal Mm -hmm. value. My photograph that is a non, you know, NFT is singular. It is unique. Um, therefore, I would, you know, in order to transact with it or trade with it, like I would not be, I would not be doing a one, usually a one-to-one trade of, of that asset. Um, so it really just has to do with uh, the uniqueness of the, of the file. And I, and I okay. look at it as a file. I look at it as, you know, from our perspective, it's a photograph. Some people mm-hmm. mint NFTs that are, wave files they are sound files they may be a gif they may be a dot mov they might be you know a clip of a film and you know just think if you think about how vast that is yeah it's certainly overwhelming but that's kind of why i like real estate and real estate photography as a use case for it because i feel like it's really clear we shot this house these are the 40 photos that we delivered for this project this is the set. This is the collection, if you will. And uh, other art could be, you know, could have many, many, many iterations. But this is very clear. It's like it's this, no. This is the collection. This is what it was. And so it's it's contained in that way. This fascinated me as well because I'm I'm I learned so much from your presentation and you you did this virtual gallery and um, where you had taken a set of your images mm-hmm. and and placed it in a gallery and and then you kind of explained how that that minting can happen and I think that was very interesting. Uh, one thing in, that you also went into is is then using uh, AI to mm-hmm. modify that image. Yeah. 
uh, that was kind of that was that was interesting, and, and then you you had a and then you had an AI generated wave file as a soundtrack. That's right. Um, so that was that was interesting as well because and, and then it's, it's asked, okay, so whose is it at that point? And and we don't need to get into a copyright thing, but I think there's just <laughs> it opened up so many things in my brain that oh, I never thought of that, and I probably should be thinking of that. Yeah. But anything to conclude with that said, you had this beautiful sunset on this gorgeous house. And then you used a generator to, to give a, uh, um, a AI generator. I don't even, AI. it's not a copy, but it's a generated. Yeah. Right. So I, I was trying to illustrate how could somebody like you or me who are just, you know, doing our daily thing. And if we needed to have a sky replacement, uh, I, what I did is I took a photograph and it was a sky that was cloudy. It was a, you know, a day where for whatever reason, the house looked awesome, but the sky didn't look great, Bay Area fog. And so <laughs> I knew that it was an easy photograph to do a sky replacement on. And so I thought to myself, well, you know, what are a couple of, of beautiful skies that I like? And I did Arizona and I, and I was using Dolly, you know, so I was using this um, particular generator online uh, that basically looks through, you know, thousands and thousands of images and then generates for you a set of four images. And you can generate off of just say, you know, Dolly search, they give me these, and you, you type, it's like the text to images, or you can put in an image and then have Dolly uh, make generative images off of that first image. Okay. So it uses the image and then it kind of scrubs the image and then surfs, I guess, the, the web to then find similar images to bring it together and then, you know, put runs it through its AI. So it is unique. Um, I think of it as like image soup in a way, but you know, <laughs> it turns out okay. But with the skies, I was like, this is going to be a piece of cake. And it turned out it actually was like I did. I asked for I wrote the description of the sky I wanted and then it it you know, gave me a few skies and then I took one and I put it in there as the sky and it looked like a really lovely gradient sky. And it actually looked almost better. I think it actually did look better than the one that I had actually delivered to the client. So, oh, wow. yeah, so I was surprised by that, but, um, no, it, I wanted to put this into the context of something that where people would see, oh, this isn't in the future. This is something I could use now. And maybe if I had a really, you know, if I had a bad day and, it, and we didn't have the right sky pack or whatever you use and you wanted to put something new in there, it's available to you. And I, I want people to see that there are creative ways that artificial intelligence and NFTs um, may provide uh, creative outlets because at the end <laughs> of the day, like, you know, you don't, you do, you're not going to push yourself as a as a creator if you do the same thing over and over again. You know, you get yeah. everybody's going to buy something new this holiday season. They're going to buy a new camera or a lens. They're going to buy something to help them with their craft. Now, when you look at it from the editing side of things, you're you're always wondering like, what can I do to make my you know to make life easier or to try something in a new way. And that's when I was like, oh yeah, artificial intelligence is going to absolutely upend this entire industry. It will. And there will, because then I showed an example, right. Of, um, 
the uh, virtual staging that had been done by artificial intelligence. And that was what it is. So I did a virtual staging done by artificial intelligence. I made a slideshow and I've tracked, I made a soundtrack out of an artificial song, artificially intelligence generated song uh, by Mubert and Oda Studio. And so with the Oda Studio and the Mubert track, oh, you know, it was like, it's just wizardry, but it totally hmm. worked. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. It's amazing where technology continues to push us and, and lead us. And um, yeah, we just really enjoyed the presentation, Emily. I know you have a, a plane to catch, so we do, we want to wrap things up so you can get on the road. Um, yeah, I'm in Berlin but, uh, right now. So I'm in, yeah. I'm in Berlin, Germany, and I'm on my way to uh, Basel, Switzerland, and then to uh, Europa Park, actually, because I'm going to be moderating a... Um, an awards show for virtual and, you know, it's basically for a virtual and augmented reality. And this is the fifth huh. year I've done it. And so we have our fifth wow. Area awards. Yeah. On Thursday and Friday. Awesome. And it's a metaverse summit uh, for in Europe. And so I'm on my way there this week. So, yeah. So yeah, yeah. tonight I'm headed on the plane, but uh, yeah, yeah, I don't, I think that it's sort of like, um, you know, life is short and art is long, you know, okay. and so this is not something that I feel like is going to necessarily be like an overnight success. But if people want to commit to um, exploring it, they may find new outlets. And my hope would be that, you know, maybe it's Spiro, maybe it's you guys. I don't know who it is. I don't know who heard me at the conference. But if it inspires somebody to, um, you know, experiment and try to create something new, uh, then I am like, I'm beyond thrilled. Then I feel like mission accomplished. That's awesome. Our guest is Emily Ullman of Hopscotch Interactive. Um, again, thank you for making the time for us, Emily. Yeah, you, you have a full schedule and we just, we really appreciate it. If if somebody had a question and wanted to learn more just about this whole sphere, um, are you open to them reaching out to you? And, and if so, how how do they do that? So I am pretty active on uh, my YouTube channel. So Hopscotch Interactive is our YouTube channel. We have an Instagram also at Hopscotch Interactive. And uh, they can reach out to me. They can connect with me on LinkedIn also. Uh, those are great ways. They can send me an email. And if they're listening to this podcast, they should send it, you know, just send it straight to me, Emily at hopscotchinteractive.com. And I will get back to everyone. I, I especially want to hear from people who are, you know, maybe they are feeling like this is, you know, something they've, they, they have some experience with and they maybe they hit a wall or maybe they're totally, you know, brand new to it and they just, you know, they want to explore more. And if that's the case, um, I would also point them to the blog post that I did right after PMRE. So if you go to the hopscotchinteractive.com website and you go to our blog, then you'll see that there's a post there and I have seven pages of links and notes wow. and tons That's of videos. Awesome. I have a, on my YouTube channel, I have a PMRE playlist, which has over 20 videos that are talking about um, NFTs and real estate and, uh, you know, metaverse and the, you know, seven, um, seven rules of the metaverse. And so I think if people really want to dive deep, I have tried to put it out there for them, but they can certainly reach out. Yeah. Awesome. Todd, any final thoughts from you? Thanks to Emily. She's such a resource and a resource, a global resource. So we're very excited that 
you were on to share your knowledge today, Emily. Um, and if you have follow-up questions, reach out to Emily, reach out to us. Uh, I think one takeaway, because you know, my head was spinning after, <laughs> after the presentation in a good way, mm -hmm. but push it a little bit further. And if you can be the voice that brings something new, because I will say that our clients as real estate agents, they're always, it's a competitive industry and they are looking for something new. I, I used the analogy, like what's the ace in their pocket? Will it get them a new listing? Will it get, will it win that presentation? I think it's important you take some of this in as much as you're like, what, how, you know, what is it? Where am I? You know, I have to use a headset. Just put all that out of your head and just use it for, for good to learn and push those ideas a little bit further and then use that information to give it to your real estate agents. I think you can just benefit so much from that. Mm -hmm. Um, so if your head's spinning, that would just be my one takeaway <laughs> just continue to learn about it because you got to start somewhere. Right. Right. Emily, have a safe flight. Thanks again so much Thanks, for joining guys. us. It's been a pleasure. I hope I can come on a show yes. again at some point and, you know, we can chat again. You guys are awesome. And thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Hey, pleasure is ours. And uh, if you're watching the the podcast, don't forget, you can also listen to it. You can go to uh, spiromedia.podbean.com. You can catch us on all the major uh, audio podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, all of those. Um, and be sure to share this, like it. Um, it just helps get the content to more people that are really looking to build their business and, and learn more about how to run a real estate media business. So liking, subscribing, sharing, we appreciate all that. And, and it's going to help our industry as a whole. Um, finally, uh, we just want to thank you for taking a few minutes. Well, Okay, maybe more than just a few minutes, uh, but to watch and to, to listen, to engage, leave a comment. If you've got thoughts, you know, experiences with the metaverse or NFTs, we'd love to hear from you. So leave a comment on the YouTube channel. Um, and again, you can email us at hello at Spiro.media. We absolutely would love to hear from you. So uh, until next week, just be thankful for what you have and take a breath. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us for the Spiro Podcast, Managing Your Real Estate Photography and Videography Business. This is a production of Spiro and WOW Video Tours. You can find out more about Spiro's real estate media business management software at our website, spiro.media.